This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Paul Sokolis with special guest, Randy Masters, owner of a rare AMC Rebel Machine. Here we go. Hey there, welcome to another installment of the On All Cylinders Podcast. I am your host for today, Paul Sokolis, and um, i got to be honest, I am downright giddy with the topic at hand today because we are going to be talking about American Motors. I happen to own an AMC-era Jeep CJ, so whenever I see an AMC product at a car show, I kind of freak out a little bit. And that was especially true a couple of years ago when I went to the Good Guys Summit Racing Nationals down in Columbus, Ohio. I stumbled across this incredibly rare, meticulously restored AMC Rebel machine. And I hung around this car for a while, hoping to get a chance to talk with the owner. Um, He was out milling around the crowds, checking out all the other show cars. But I took a bunch of pictures, wrote up an article anyway... And lo and behold, over a year later, I get a comment on that story that said, oh, uh, the guy that owns that car is my dad. Let me put you in touch with him. We exchanged a couple emails and long story short, Randy Masters is on the podcast today. Randy, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. My pleasure. Well, I can't wait to dive into this car, but uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, if you're out there listening and want to read this article or see pictures of this car, just visit onallcylinders.com, mosey on up to that search bar. And uh, type in something like uh, AMC Machine or Rebel Machine or AMC Rebel Machine. Heck, I think you can even search the keyword Kenosha and find this car on onallcylinders.com. That said, um, let's talk about about you, Randy. We want to know what got you into the gearhead hobby. What got you excited about cars and engines and, and gears and stuff like that? I, I piled around with my grandfather when I was a child, and he worked on boat motors, cars, anything in the world. And I was that's where I learned everything to the point of when you're young and you want something, you don't have money, you got to work on it anyway. So he's the one that taught me how to do it just out of necessity. So it's probably fair to say then that this is a lifelong endeavor. Uh, probably since I was five or six. We were turning wrenches that early, yes. So taking that question kind of a logical step forward then, uh, what got you into AMCs? Did you grow up in Kenosha? Did your grandpa drive a Hudson? What made you interested in the American Motors world? Uh, You know, funny enough, I wasn't actually into AMC to start with, but my family, as I grew up, we had a lot of Ramblers. My dad had Ramblers. We started out the first one I remember was a 58 Ambassador. Then we had a 63. And then the newest one he had, he had a 67 two-door Rebel. And that was, that was big time when I was a kid. I took my driver's test in that with manual brakes and manual steering, and it was a boat. But uh, the AMC kind of fell in my lap, to tell you the truth. I'd had a Corvette and several others and then uh, did the uh, normal thing and sold the Corvette and got a minivan when the kids came along. So uh, when the daughter graduated from uh, college, we had a party, and one of my buddies asked me if I was going to get another Corvette. And I said, no, everybody's got a Corvette. Nobody knows anyone's different going down the road. I want something different. I said, an AMC, a Rebel Machine or Scrambler or something. And, you know, I was just talking. The next day he came to my door with a little ad out of the Columbus Dispatch. There was a Rebel Machine for sale. And that's where it started. So when you set out uh, to hunt for a project car, you weren't looking for an AMC Rebel Machine or, or any specific car in particular. You just wanted something unique? I wanted something that was different than what everybody else had. And, and at one time, I, I had a 69 AMX, again, while I had the kids, and had it for like seven years and never got around to finishing it. Life took over, and I sold it to a guy in Chicago, never had a car put together. So 
I just always thought they were different enough that at least when you got one done, you wouldn't see 50 of them on the road when you drove it. And that's a fair take. I'm sure a lot of customizers and hot rodders would agree with you on that one. Um, so let's talk about this specific car. You you saw the classified ad. You went to check it out. What was the condition of the car when you found it? It was in a not a good section of Columbus, Ohio. It was in a garage that had a concrete floor. It had been sitting there for 16 years. I couldn't see two sides of the car because it was jammed in the corner. When I'm pulling it up on the trailer, it's locked up. Who knows if it's the motor, the transmission, the brakes. really didn't matter to me, so I you know, skidded it up to the trailer. The car hadn't been on the road for 16 years. The dash pad was not in it. The seat backs were not in it. The ram air was not on it. There was just a whole bunch of stuff missing. This guy kept telling me, I have it in the basement. I have it. I'm like, yeah, I'll bet you do. So as it comes up, uh, he did have the seat backs. He did have that. He did have the ram air. He had five wheels, which is a big deal because those wheels are ridiculous to try to come by. And then he had the stripe kit, which we'll get into later, brand new in the box because he was going to make it a red, white, and blue car. He was going to change it. So that's how I got the car. Uh, it was very dull. I've got, I've got a, a photo album of 200 pictures from the minute it got on the trailer till being done today that documents every bit of that. It's, it's pretty fine. Okay, so let's talk about the AMC Rebel Machine in kind of broad strokes, because perhaps some of the folks out there listening aren't that familiar with, with American Motors. And perhaps even a bigger portion of uh, the folks out there aren't familiar with the rarity of an AMC Rebel machine. So can you talk about that specific model for a moment and kind of explain some of the unique characteristics and features of the car that we may not know about? There, there's a lot of uh, dissension in the AMC ranks, whether they made 1,933 of those cars or 2,300. It's a matter who you listen to. The first thousand out of American Motors were red, white, and blue with the stripes only. And I believe they might have been all four-speed cars. You could get automatics and four-speeds later. After the first thousand, they did offer their standard colors in what they call solid color cars. Mine is Bayshore Blue. That is the original color, Bayshore Blue, obviously with the new base coat, clear coat rather than the enamel. But the numbers that are on the website of the AMCs, probably around maybe 50 of the blue ones is about what they think. They give percentages. So there were 13 different colors you could get, and a Bayshore wasn't one of the necessarily popular ones. So I, I think it's fairly rare. The reason the stripe kit's on there is because it came with the car. And when I got the car done, I thought, you know what? I'll put it on. If I like it, fine. If I don't, they come off pretty easy. I, I think it looks pretty good. One of the big AMC guys is Mickey, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name. He lives up, up around Detroit. He's got three of them. And Mickey is just a hoot. He's, in, he's up at Woodward every year. First year I took it to Woodward, I'm driving down Woodward. Mickey saw the car come and came out in the middle of the street, stopped me in front of the car, come over and shake my hand, thank me for coming up. He's, he's just a hoot. I asked Mickey about numbers, and he said, Randy, let's just say your blue Bayshore is one of one with those stripes. I said, okay, I'll take it. But it is a four-speed car. Uh, all machines had uh, power front desk brakes. Mine's a 354 rear end. They had a lot of high-end optional parts dealers could do. Mine doesn't have any of that, but I will tell you, they had not changed one screw in that car when I got it. When I, It still has the original Hurst shifter, the knob that came with it. Everything that came with that car is still on it. It took me four years, but uh, it's, it's all original sheet metal. It had a funny little sticker on the front windshield from Florida. And when I got the car, it had a trailer hitch. And I posted a picture of this on the AMC website, and a guy right away 
texted me and said, I know that car because it came up to Minnesota every year. A guy in Florida used it to bring his boat to Minnesota. And he said, I saw it for years, tried to buy it, and then it just disappeared. So that, that's where the history started for me. But it had almost zero rust. Still has the original welds in the fender wells. It had about two inches behind each one of the wheels on the very, very bottom. And that was it for rust. So I got very fortunate on that. We haven't talked much about the engine yet, but I'm assuming that's a numbers matching drivetrain then? Correct. 100%. And the machine parts are very hard to come by and very unusual. The exhaust manifolds, I have the entire air kit. I mean, it comes with tubes in the exhaust and a pump on four speeds only, not on automatics. And uh, the intake is special. There's just a lot of things about the machine itself that are special to that car. And every one of those pieces is original. And that's an AMC 390, if I'm not mistaken, correct? 390, 340 horse was the most that the AMC ever put out. And the only thing I did past stock, honestly, I changed the cam a little bit, give a little bit more overlap, a little bit more duration. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a 12 second car, but it's, it's a fun driving car. Let's dig into the engine then for a moment. Uh, was it a runner when you got it? Uh, well, what was the condition of the engine uh, when you found the car? It had, it had 90,000 on it when I got it. So, I mean, we started over. We went ahead and, you know, took 10, took 10 out of the block, put 10% bigger bearings back in, pistons. Everything's brand new on the internals. But uh, it's original crank, original heads, block, everything is supposed to be there. Now, that brings up an interesting question I wanted to ask. Um, I know I can go to summitracing.com and find a bajillion parts for a 350 Chevy or even a Ford Windsor. But what's part support like for an AMC V8? A lot of the, a lot of the 390s are interchangeable on parts. But when you get to the heads and you get to the uh, machine-specific parts, you better have a pretty good wad of cash in your hands if you, if you get it. Now, one other funny thing about American Motors I found out after I bought the car, that is a Super T10, the one with the big gears in 70, in that when they were ahead of most people putting the Super T10 in. So it is a pretty good transmission. It'll handle whatever you can do. Uh, it'll handle more than the rear end, let's put it that way, because they got those uh, easily broken rear ends. Now, I think I know what you're getting at there. Um, does this thing have the, the AMC 20 rear end? It's the AMC 20, the splined rear axles and all that. That's a lot of fun to work on. Are the splined ones still in there or did you go to one piece rear axles? I tell you, when I took that car apart, I took the rear end apart, assuming I was going to rebuild it. There was not a wear mark on the gears at 90,000. I changed oil, put it back together and it looked like the day it was due. Now, speaking of rebuilding and, and repairs and, and restoring and stuff like that, you can take one look at this car and tell a lot of work has gone into it. Did you have to farm out certain aspects of the build or, or how much work did you do yourself? Uh, I did everything except the paint. Uh, I had a really good friend that's a great painter and he moved to Florida on me. Gosh darn him. But I'll give a shout out. His name is Steve Hook. He was a heck of a painter. He did more than paint. He helped me with a lot of things I needed help with when you need more than one guy. But he, he's just an all around good mechanic and a great painter. So he's the one to paint the car. We took it down to bare metal. It was sitting on my lift, just a piece of steel, not a screw, not a wire, not anything, just like it was built at the factory. And you said the whole job took about four years? It did, um, only because I work. And I did a lot of things you don't need to do. I powder coated all the suspension. Uh, we had a local guy that was getting into powder coating, and he treated me really nice. So we have all powder coated suspension under there, and those kind of things. So that helped. So let me ask you this, because this is always a fascinating question with a lot of interesting replies. Since you did take it down to bare metal and you're completely disassembling this car, did you discover any surprises in the teardown or rebuild process? And I mean that in a good or bad way. Any interesting discoveries? 
the the funny thing when we were tearing the car apart, I did not know they brazed the front fenders on. So I have all the top screws off, the front screws off, the screws off, and I can't get these fenders off. And I look, and right where they meet the rocker at the factory, they brazed those in place, evidently, is the way they aligned them up. So you actually had to take and cut the braze out at the rocker on the front fender to get them off. Do you think that was just an AMC thing, or was it an AMC Rebel thing, or was it an AMC Rebel machine thing? I think it was a Rebel thing. I'm not sure if it's an AMC thing or not, but... uh, Checking with everybody, that's what they did. Yeah, I've actually encountered some peculiar things with uh, with my Jeep CJ as well. Um, like, for instance, American Motors would bolt the uh, roll bar onto the body tub and then paint the whole thing, as opposed to painting the body tub separately and the roll bar separately and bolting them together then. Uh, the problem is it's bare metal underneath those roll bar mounts, so they rust out a lot. So yeah, American Motors did some confounding things during their manufacturing processes. The funny thing, it's got, uh, when I bought the suspension parts, the rear suspension parts are for a 70 Chevelle. They're the same arms, the same bushings, the same everything. The carburetor is an Autolite 4300 Ford. And then you got a GM distributor. I mean, it's just, you know, they used what they could of <laughs> what they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same deal with uh, with my Jeep. It's got uh, a Motorcraft distributor, a GM steering column. Certainly AMC did not hesitate in rating uh, other manufacturers' parts bins. Um, so as you're tearing into this car, What's your favorite part? What do you really look forward to in, in a disassembly, rebuild, restoration project like this? Turning the wrenches. I mean, to me, taking it apart and putting it back together is a lot of fun. Uh, probably the least amount of fun was the interior, except the uh, amount of time it took me to find. I actually ran down at SMS out in California or Oregon. They bought the last fabric from the factory at AMC, and I got the last two rolls of the vent air fabric that belongs in that car the right color. And I still have half a roll left of any of that was ever made. So it has the right seat covers, the right fabric, the right everything. In it. You have a feeling after this podcast airs, an army of AMC restoration folks are going to be pounding at your door trying to get that fabric. Well, and I'll tell you what else those SMS guys did. Nobody makes replacement door panels at all. Nobody. I sent them my old door panels and they pressed and made new exact door panels for that car. You can't tell them from brand new. So those are technically new door panels in that car? They, I sent them my old panels. So they had the trim size. They had all the welt sizes. They had the size of the panels. They had everything. And they came back, and I have brand new ones in the car. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, and you're kind of dovetailing into a question I wanted to ask next anyway. Um, we've talked about part support already in the context of like the AMC V8 engine, but you're restoring a rare version of an already rare car. So can you talk a little bit more maybe about parts availability and specifically the most challenging part of this build? Well, I was concerned about chrome and stainless. I was fortunate enough, I found a 70 Rebel from California that was in Dayton, Ohio, and I bought that Rebel as a parts car. So I took that apart and I took double trim of every piece of both those cars to a plater and we plated two cars worth of stainless and two cars worth of chrome and then i took the piece that was best of everything and put my car together and sold quite a bit of the rest of it and got my money back for the car i did buy and that and my car has air conditioning which it did not come from the factory with it came out of this california car so the vents and the compressor and the wiring and all that came out of the california car and American Motors never tagged their cars with options. So if you didn't tell anybody it wasn't supposed to be there, you wouldn't know. But it did not come with air conditioning. So you're talking about taking parts off a, a base model Rebel, AMC Rebel. K2 
Can you kind of elaborate a bit on what parts are unique to the machine? What parts are really, really unobtainium for that specific model? I would say they're mostly mechanical parts. The body parts are all the same. Uh, the machine had the uh, armrest in the middle between the buckets that didn't come in another car. Uh, other than that, it was all mechanical. And, the you know, you got sway bars front and back, which in the 70s, that was a big deal. Like I guess most of it was the motor and the exhaust manifolds, the free flow and exhaust manifolds, the uh, intake and, and uh, the way it was set up. Now, how long has it been since you finished the restoration? I bought the car in 06 and I put it on the road and took it to Detroit the first time in 2010. So it's been on road 13 years now. And I dang near fell over when I saw it at that Good Guys show about a year ago, right? Yeah, there you go. And you know why I went to Good Guys? A buddy of mine gave you his tickets. <laughs> That's why I went. <laughs> yeah, they have a word for that. It's called serendipity. Um, now, looking back, now that it's done, uh, is there anything you would have changed or done differently during the restoration? The, the one thing that I went over the top on was originality. And that's one of the reasons it took four years trying to scarf, you know, better parts or particular parts or even like the wheels. Uh, as I said, they're very weird. What they did is they made the trim rings on the wheels so they rusted out. So you have to send your wheels out to California to the Stockton wheel and they have to re-rim them and you have to get them back and everything's a process. So I, I guess what I would tell you is I'm not going to be as particular about making sure it is 100% by the book, screw for screw, piece for piece. That, that's a, that was a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort. Now, I can kind of tell in the way you answered that question that uh, there already is another project car on your horizon. Um, do you have something else in your shop ready to go under the wrench? Uh, I actually have two in the garage. I actually have a, uh, and I like different, so I've got a 69 Firebird Sprint that uh, right now, the body's at the body shop. The back half is done. He's waiting on me. The machine work's done on the motor. I'm ready to put that back together, but it's getting the car back first. But uh, I just wanted the sprint because, again, it's weird. Ah, that's the one with the uh, inline six with the overhead cam, right? Uh, with the four barrel, and it has a tuned intake and dual exhausts and 355 gears in it and a four-speed. Now, you said two cars. Does that mean one Pontiac Sprint and like another Pontiac Sprint donor car? I got another one. I got another Sprint in the garage, too, that if this one goes well, maybe we'll do something else. But but again, they're different enough. When I ran across the other one, I went ahead and got it, and it's just taking up space right now. But it's a good uh, vision to see what I need to do because it's not torn apart yet. The other one's in pieces and when you go six months, a year, two years, sometimes you forget. Yeah, that's just so cool. That that Sprint engine, uh, you can find them in Firebirds and I believe Tempests as well. Overhead cam architecture, just um, really forward-thinking engine from Pontiac. Right, and then, and then the 69, 68 and 69. 69 was the highest horsepower one that they had. The early ones were 230, 230 cubic inch, and then the, the uh, 68s and 9s were 250 cubic inch. And they had uh, you know, more horsepower, bigger cam. It was the biggest cam they made. It was an H cam. So it's different kind of motor, but it'll be fun. So I have to ask, when the Firebird gets finished, does that mean the machine goes away? You know, that's something we've been asking ourselves. Um, the one thing the one thing about the machine right now, and it's don't get me wrong, it is my car. But you know, last year they sold one at Barrett Jackson for 147. That's a lot of money. And I mean, I know there's not very many of them left. They think there's maybe three to 400 of them left because of the ones guys just gutted and that kind of thing. But it'd be hard to get rid of. But uh, we got a lot of vehicles and you can only drive so many. And if you don't drive, you don't need them. But uh, we'll wait and see how the Firebird comes out. And uh, maybe that'll be my wife's car. and I'll keep the Rebel machine. That's a possibility. 
Speaking of driving, now that the machine is done, um, where have you taken it? Do you drive it all over? Uh, not as much as we should. I think I checked the other day. I think we put seven or 8,000 miles on it. But uh, we started and we went to Detroit every year up to the Woodward Dream Cruise. We did that for a lot of years. That's that's a lot of fun. We haven't been there since the pandemic, but we used to do that. We take it to dinner. You know, we do a, a few shows. I'm not really a show guy. I usually park my car in a nice spot. I pay the entry fee and then I go look at everybody else's car and then I leave. My opinion is I did it for me. If you like it, that's great. And if you don't, okay, that's fine too. I attend a lot of shows, but I don't stay to be judged. Do you have any big road trips or events lined up in the future? Uh, not in the Rebel Machine. Um, we do a lot of local stuff. There's always uh, good ones like Upper Sandusky is a good show. They have uh, 700 cars. Delaware always has six or 700 cars. I've done the uh, dialysis show down in Dublin for a bunch of years. I get a lot of advice down there. And I generally try to do four or five of the same ones every year because they're very very good shows. Yeah, uh, certainly the state of Ohio is a good place to be if you're a fan of car shows. Um, And we're kind of getting to a point I wanted to talk about as well. How is the AMC community? Do you find uh, yourself online or or bumping into AMC folks at shows? There's There's a Rebel Machine forum. So the first thing I did when I found the cars, I found that forum. And they used to be a lot more active, I would say, when I had my car than I think they are today. But they are just a wealth of information for helping people out, telling you what they know. When you find things you don't know what it is, they're, they're happy to help. Uh, most of them know if parts are available, if so, where. Jeff Kennedy down in London, Ohio, you know, Jeff knows parts about as much as anybody or where they, if they're not available, you know, maybe who to go see. I had a problem with my uh, power steering pump. I had to rebuild it. Well, they normally leak. It leaked. I rebuilt it again. It leaked. I rebuilt it again. It leaked. I was at the dialysis show and said something to Jeff. And he goes, I got a guy. He says, guaranteed. He says, it's going to cost you 200 bucks, but it won't leak. By God, I sent it to this guy and got it back and it doesn't leak. So I'm good. So, you know, you, you got to have people like that. But Mickey up there. Mickey's very knowledgeable, and uh, the whole the whole group. Uh, you go to the AMC Rebel Machine Forum. Uh, pretty good group of people. With a car this rare and unique, say you take it to a show. How many people stop in their tracks and recognize what they're looking at when they see your car? Uh, about none. Uh, most of them think it's a Roadrunner. You know, they they think it's a Plymouth Roadrunner. It, it's kind of one of those things. If somebody knows what it is, they appreciate it, and if they don't, it's like, yeah, okay, it's a Rambler. This is kind of what you get. Okay, so we've been talking for over 20 minutes now. Is there any tidbit or facet of this car that uh, we haven't covered yet that you'd like to share? One of the biggest thing with machines, and you may have not noticed or maybe you did notice, I don't have the trim rings on it. When I got the car, I had four trim rings with it. They're like hen's teeth and gold, if you can find them. And uh, one of them was chewed up. The other two were pretty nice. Uh, but to buy, if you can find one today, they're probably three to 500. Then you're going to spend maybe three to 500 to have it fixed for each. Then you can you can buy aftermarket rings, but they are not correct for the car. The ones I think the wheels were Kelsey Hayes, if I remember correctly, and the trim rings were made on the wheels. So nobody makes a repop yet. Several people have tried, and uh, it just you would need such numbers, and there's so few of guys that would probably pay what it was required to set up to make them. So they have not cracked that one yet as as trim rings. So a lot of the cars you see either have none or they have the wrong trim rings. Uh, when you find the right ones, they're gold. There was a set, uh, if it has the right trim rings, they're between four and $6,000 just for four wheels and, and rings. So that's a little bit goofy, but they're specialized. 
So that's what happens. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the perils of restoring a pretty rare car. And you know the stripes. There are some people that, oh gee, you took a solid color card and you put stripes on it. You ruined the car. Well, that's their opinion. I kind of like it. And uh, you know, if you bought the car and you didn't like it, take them off. Then it's a solid color car again. So in all your adventures and all your travels with the car, all the shows you've attended, how many other Rebel machines have you come across? I tell you the funniest thing, the first show, the first actual show I went to was that dialysis show. So that would have been 2010. Pulled in and there was a red, white, and blue Rebel machine there. My license plate says Rare AMC. This guy was from Indiana and his license plate said Rare AMC. And he was at the same show I was at with a red, white, and blue car. And I just thought that was ironic. That's amazing because it's so special to come across any AMC, be it a, a Rambler, a Pacer, Gremlin, what have you. I want to say yours is the last AMC Rebel that I've spotted in the wild, let alone a Rebel machine. The year I bought that car in 06, they had the National American Motors Convention in Dayton, Ohio. So Jeff Kennedy invited me to go down. I went down for the national show. They had seven Rebel machines there. Seven total was what was there. That doesn't tell you the rarity of this car. I don't know what does. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the thing that's pretty nice about the car. And I, I like being different. So that's the big plus. So do you have any closing thoughts on American Motors or the Rebel machine for our audience? I always thought the Rebel design was nice. The car that I have is not unlike that 67 my dad had, really, that was a two-door. There wasn't a whole lot of difference other than the front end got boxier and bigger. You know, for a heavy car, if you look at uh, when they originally came out in the performance, they ran with everybody else. They ran in the, the low 14 stock out of the factory, out of the box. And they claimed that if you went to the factory optional parts, you'd be down to the 12s. And uh, funny enough, here's another story for you. I had uh, GTO when I was a kid. And one of the guys that was one of my nemesis had a Rebel machine that he had gutted. It was a red, white, and blue when he ran it at the strip. And uh, I will tell you this, he didn't get past my GTO. <laughs> Real quickly, since you got me thinking about it, have you taken this Rebel machine to the strip? No. No, I guess I'm over that. I'm old enough now. I did that for enough years. And I fortunately never tore anything up. I never, I never broke on the track. So I think we're probably good to let it lie at this point. Yeah, once you take a car down to bare metal and spend four years putting it back together, I can understand a little anxiety there. About the time that actually that 20 axle in the back would let one of those wheels fly off, it probably wouldn't be very good. Well, Randy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk cars with us. Well, hey, I appreciate that. I just, I just love cars in general. I mean, I, I do that as a hobby. Uh, I rebuild wrecks for fun. I've uh, done about 80, maybe 80 or so. Just It's just what you do because you like turning wrenches and you're out in the garage. And as I say, it can't outthink you and it can't beat you. It's just a matter of time and patience. And that, to me, sounds like an excellent sentiment to close on. Randy, thank you again for taking some time with us. And, uh, yeah, good luck with the Rebel Machine and that uh, Pontiac Firebird Sprint, sir. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.